Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today's episode is on symbols, poetry, and spell work with Lee Scrimmager. So I've known Lee for a couple years since I met her on Asia Dasher's Spirit Collective Seeker Retreat, which I think was in 2018 now, which sounds impossibly long ago, like it couldn't possibly have been then, um, but I'm pretty sure that's when it was. <laughs> and I took a poetry and spellwork class with Lee virtually during COVID, maybe a few months ago, and it prompted me to reach out to ask her to come on the podcast. Um, You all know I write poetry, I love using creativity and channeling poems in my own spellwork practice and ritual practice, so I was really excited to have her on, and we talk about much more too, it's not just a conversation about poetry. Um, We get into Lee's journey, starting with meditation and Buddhism, religion and spirituality and Lee's family growing up, her relationship with tarot, symbolism and symbols in our culture and symbols that Lee connects to, working with our own personal symbols, how writing poetry is part of Lee's spell work and spiritual practice, channeling her ancestor connection into poetry and ancestor work, the beauty and the creative journey, perfectionism, and exploring things that you are, in quotes, bad at, working with the Akashic Records for healing and cultivating ancestor relationship, and a lot more. Um, Lee is so wonderful. She uses she, her pronouns, as you can tell, (laughs) as I'm using them, Um, and is an intuitive healing artist who has really adored esoteric and occult wisdom for as long as she can remember. She practices tarot, divination, reiki, the akashic records, and is really committed to her continual practice of anchoring her true essence into the world so that she can help others unveil their own source of magic. So there's a little bit of jingling in this episode, which I think is really magical and lovely. It's just Lee's bracelets that you can hear. (laughs) Um, And also, I think I accidentally cut out where Lee shares her Instagram and website at the end or something happened with that. So I pop in at the end and share it. But I also just wanted to say here, you can find her at seeingwithlee.com and the same thing on Instagram at seeingwithlee. And, you know, those links are always in the description. So you will never miss them, even if they're not said out loud. They're all, you can always find them there. I did want to tell you one exciting thing before we get into this conversation. Um, The Creative Support Membership is open. It's open today, if you're listening on the day this comes out, through this Friday only. And this is my group membership, group container to liberate your creative magic, to craft a creative life, make your stuff, move through creative blocks, tap into your innate creativity. This is all the work that we do inside Creative Support, and we gather twice a month for breathwork and art making, community connection, and coaching and healing work. There's a Mighty Networks container of witchy creatives supporting each other and just being together, and there's a Creative Support Framework course where there are rituals and meditations and prompts and practices and more to really help you move through some of those creative blocks and expand your relationship with your creativity. So 
creative support might be for you if you are a writer, a painter, a knitter, a creator of some kind, a creative of some kind who wants to make more of their work, or if you aren't working on anything specific but just want to infuse more creativity, play, curiosity, imagination into your life, or if you're in process of writing your book, your podcast, your poems, making your tarot deck, crafting your art, and you want to share it with the world someday but feel stuck around visibility, like maybe feeling like an imposter, like you're not good enough and you should just shrink teeny, teeny, tiny, small and quit. Or maybe if you want to reconnect with your creativity after feeling stuck or if you dream of a more creative life and want some support and community around that or if you want to create a more nourishing and sustainable relationship with your creativity so there's lots of different folks with different dreams and different relationships to creativity in the group um but yeah we're all connecting around expanding and deepening and growing in creativity together so inviting you to join if you want to crack open some of that creative magic in you if that feels good um you can check out the link in the description to get all the details learn more all that stuff and join us and yeah open till friday if you join today there's a little special bonus of like a packet of rituals for working through the phases of the moon creative rituals for working with the phases of the moon so that's there for you if you're like definitely yes you could join today and i will send you that okay link is in the description for everything and let's get into my conversation with lee you know i like to start the show by hearing about your journey so i'd love to hear how you've gotten to where you are what your journey has been like with all things esoteric all the amazing work that you do okay beautiful um yeah so i really got started with my journey I would say around 17, um, that's when I first got into, I guess, my first episode of depression. And so what really brought me peace at that time was meditation. And um, when I went to college, I ended up randomly joining this Buddhist meditation group. And I was like, okay, well, this sounds interesting. I've never did meditation before. I knew a little bit about Buddhism, but not so much. And joining the group, learned a lot about um, the principles and the ideology behind Buddhism about, um, you know, reading scriptures of the Dharmapada and just meditating in a group and finding like my own Sangha. And that to me was very peaceful. I learned about non-attachment and I learned about so many things that really brought me into a state of just clarity. And it was something I really needed at that time, especially being, you know, far away from home for the first time. And it was definitely... Uh, breath of fresh air when I needed the most. So from there, I started diving deeper into just learning about all things with mindfulness, about meditation practices, and then, you know, just going down like the internet, like rabbit holes and like searching about crystals and auras and things like that. And um, it was a great time. And then after that, I kind of like took some time away from spirituality just to focus on like, you know, college and, you know, like typical muggle stuff, finding a job, internships, (laughs) all that stuff. And when I got my first job after college, um, I was doing everything, you know, by the book, you know, I was living in the city, New York City. I had a great job, you know, I was even dating someone at that point. And then everything just started to feel really shallow, like very like, this can't 
be it. Like this can't all be it, you know? Like it just wasn't fulfilling enough to me. And so I remember I had loved psychics growing up. Like I was the type of person that would see a psychic in the street and be like, oh, I want to get my cards read. And my friends would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why would you want to go to this random person on the street? And I'm like, oh, it's cool. So I've been going to see psychics from like, um, yeah, at that time, 18 to in my early 20s. But, you know, when you go to random psychics, you never really know what you're going to get. Like sometimes they're really legit and other times you just know that there's just some like fraudulent or trickster energy. So sometimes I would get amazing readings. Other times I would get readings where I'm like, okay, I feel like they just want my money. So at one point um, when I was going through kind of like this um, weird crisis in my life, I was just kind of like, I need to find answers with myself. I can't keep relying on other people to tell me the answers. Cause I was the type of person that was just like, let me just see a psychic and see what they say. I was like, no more of that. (laughs) So I was like, let me just become my own um, reader. So I looked online and I just randomly bought my first Oracle deck. And from there, it was such a turning point. I started reading my own cards. I read cards for other people. And it was really the Oracle and the tarot cards that like completely opened up my journey. Meditation Buddhism got me to a place of like, um, um, opening my mind, but really like the cards and the oracle cards. That's what really got me deep into the esoteric journey. And so from there on, I just kept exploring and getting deeper and deeper and deeper and, you know, getting Reiki attuned, um, Akashic Records certified, um, studying under different teachers and psychics and readers, you know, working at Spirit House. And um, yeah, that all kind of led to where I am today. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, I was also always the person who would want to stop and get my cards read or whatever. <laughs> it's just so cool. I don't know. Like, especially like if you're in New York City, you always see like these random psychics on the street. And I'm just like, oh, why not? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's awesome. Why not? <laughs> yeah. What was religion and or spirituality like for you growing up at home? So I, I feel like I'm... Because I, I definitely feel like I have an experience that's not as common where religion was not a big part of my household growing up. Um, I did go to church growing up. We went to a really big Catholic church in the city. So even going to church was very, um, it wasn't a big thing. It was like Christmas and Easter and like the few random holidays we would go. But then I remember it was probably when I was about, definitely after 11, we just stopped going to church. And so after that point, you know, talking to my parents, because at one point I remember when I moved to a new school, I remember having a lot of friends that loved religion. I had a lot of friends that were, because <laughs> I remember after school, we would have different buses that would take us up. So some of the buses would take us home and there'd be other buses that would go either to Christian school or the lanes were so wrong. So I apologize, but there was like a Christian after school program and there was a Jewish after school program. So then people will go to these programs and I'm just like, wait, like I want to do this too. <laughs> I remember like having an interest and want to learn more about religion, but my my parents were very just nonchalant about it. They really didn't give much attention to that. So my home growing up was very like non-secular. My parents do believe in a higher power, but never attached themselves to a specific religion. Um, so growing up, I basically was agnostic for a long time. And I was very like, everybody was pretty open-minded. So there was no judgment towards anything that anyone practiced. Um, and there's no confining ourselves to a specific way of um, living or religious ideology. 
And so my mom later in life went through her own spiritual awakening, actually around the same time I did. So my family now is actually really spiritual and really into the esoterics, which is really cool. Um, and I think it's because we didn't have that foundation growing up. Like we all really were pretty open-minded when it came to religion. So when spirituality became such a big thing, you know, recently where everyone's kind of going on, it's more trendy to see it. Like you go in Cosmo yeah. and Allure and like all these magazines, everyone's talking about astrology and your spiritual path. And like there's so many YouTube videos on it. So because of that, my family has been open-minded to receiving that. So yeah, it's cool being back home and like everyone has their own altars and everyone has like a meditation <sighs> room. So <laughs> it's definitely different from growing up, but it's really cool. Um, I love that so much. If I got home and saw that my parents had altars in their house, I would die. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yes, that, it's really cool. I love that like me and my family could go crystal shopping and we'll all like, you know, take out crystals for each other. And even when I started my own um, tarot journey, I remember at first my family was like, whoa, that's <laughs> that's that's a lot and I was like no it's really cool so I started giving everybody readings and they just saw how very practical it was how down to earth it was and once they saw that like they became super supportive like my mom got me my own decks my sister got me a deck like they all got into their own journeys too so yeah everybody's been really supportive of like my spiritual mm -hmm. journey and then I also like helped them with their journey as well that's incredible. Um, let's talk about the tarot a little bit. How do you work with the tarot now and how does that play a role um, in your spiritual practice? Yeah, so tarot is like my first love when it comes to this stuff. It's definitely the the modality that really opened me up to everything else. So um, my tarot practice is definitely, um, it's very intuitive. It's very much a communication tool. I used to communicate with like my higher self my spirit guides, my ancestors. And so there's times where I get a little um, analytical with it or I do buy the book about the meetings. But when I kind of let that go, it helps strengthen my intuition because I can use it as like a door to really open the way for me to communicate with, you know, my guides and my spirit team. And so it's, it's helped me realize how the world really is based on symbology and how we all could communicate through these different symbolisms in our life and just to really dig deeper and to not let things just be what you see. Because um, there's been so many times where I've done readings for like myself and other people and I'll get a card and like, it should mean this one thing. It should mean like, okay, like this is what's gonna happen. But it's actually, once I like dig beneath the layers, I get to really uncover the truth of what that means in my own life. So it's just like, nothing is really, like to take things at face value is really limiting myself. And that's something the cards have taught me over and over again. And that's something that I can apply into my life to kind of dig deeper and to really see like, what is it here that I'm really being shown? And like, how can I dig deeper into the messages here? And how can I use this as a portal really into the medicine of this card? Um, everything's medicine and it's all about I'm all about cultivating relationships with things and people and environments and so cultivating relationships with tarot it just has become such a teacher for me to just really dig deep into the symbology of just life and yeah yeah I think 
the words you're using make so much sense to me of having a relationship with the cards and with this modality. And I think even too, for me, I'm developing relationship with symbols, like through what I see and what I hear and through my dreams and through the cards and like, yeah, kind of developing like symbols. Some symbols have like universal meaning, I think, but also they can have so much personal meaning too, which might be different or the same. And like starting to understand some of those things, I feel like exactly what you said, it expands what we can do with tarot and how it can help us, which I love so much. I feel like this tool is still teaching me so much and yeah, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, definitely. Like tarot is something that like you never stop learning. It's always such a growing practice. It's so generative. And so I love that I could always go back to tarot and the cards could always teach me something new. Like it never mm-hmm. stops. And it's just a such a magical tool. And yeah, like my guys have definitely been pushing me to get more into some symbolism, learning about it, applying it to my own life and also my own creative practices. Recently, I've been just discovering how, you know, mass media and film and TV and their uses of symbols and how it really digs into our subconsciousness. And I find that all such an amazing tool. I mean, it could be used for harm, like what mass media can do, but it could also be used for transformation. And so I've been really interested in just studying like how we can use symbols to really enhance our own inner transformation and how we can use this as a tool to really process our own healing in a way that is, you know, it's deep and it's creative and it's powerful and it's been done for like generations and centuries. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, um, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, so you don't have to answer if you don't want to, (laughs) but I'm curious just in what you're sharing, if there are any symbols right now that you're feeling really connected to or that have been coming up for you a lot. Mm. I think the one symbol that follows me around everywhere is the triangle. So simple as it is, it's such a powerful manifestation tool. Um, And I also was getting a lot of tattoos when I was younger and then like not realizing how powerful the tattoos I was getting. So I actually have like two triangles tattooed on me now. And the first one I got was like, just to represent the symbol of change. And then the second one I got to represent um, the symbol of ascension. And then the more I got into my spiritual practice, the more I realized how, you know, it really represents the power of three, the power of creativity, the power of manifestation of, you know, the Holy Trinity itself. And so that's something I feel like has followed me um, for a long time, like not even knowing like how deep that really was for me. I think the other thing would be um, it's, well, I mean, we can see it as a cross, but also to me, what it means is really the crossroads mm-hmm. and the, um, cross what it does is just basically this like a portal for where you know reality meets um the ethereal where like earth meets heaven and to me at that portal is really where transformation happens as well and it's also just about balance and about having that stability in your real life but also having the power to bring down that ethereal energy as well and so to me I'm always trying to be in balance and always trying to be at the center of that crossroads to really bring in what I'm truly trying to create into this reality um yeah manifestation to me is really all about being aligned with the crossroads and like making sure that like you're very much in a stable place to be at that intersection when like you're really trying to manifest the things that are really in your highest alignment Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, this is making me think about, too, how it's so powerful to use those symbols that are so resonant for you in creating your own rituals and spells and how I think personally for me anyways, weaving in like my own personal symbols and like carving candles or whatever it is I'm doing has so much more of a powerful effect than just like Googling what is the symbol for like this thing that I'm trying to do, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Everything has so much more power when it comes from like your own subconsciousness, someone from your own mind. So like, that's something that I also like definitely am staying away from just being intuitive in all my practices, which is why like, even with tarot, there's times where like, I'll still like go back to the book just to like see like, Oh, what else could this symbol mean? But like for the most part, my intuition will always guide me into the right place in terms of like what I'm really trying to get from this card. So mm-hmm. yeah, just coming from within with everything, I feel like especially in your own personal practice is it brings so much power than like using Google or a book to confirm you know, yeah. your own stuff. Yeah. I even notice in the different decks that I use when I work with the deck, like the modern witch, which is one that I love, but you probably know it, but it looks like the Smith Rider Waite deck, but it's more of like an updated version. And that's the deck that I like learned on and all of that. And so when I work with that deck, it actually feels harder for me to channel and not like go directly back to the like book meanings that I originally learned. And when I use decks that are like the lioness oracle tarot that are look completely different from those and have different symbols and just don't look like the smith rider weight at all it's so much easier for me to tune into my intuition around them which i think Mm. is fascinating (laughs) (laughs) you know it's all such a personal practice but yeah no that makes so much sense Yeah, yeah, it's totally such a personal practice. And you were mentioning creativity, and this is something else that I really wanted to talk to you about because I went to your poetry and spell work class with Spirit House. I'm like, when was it? A couple months ago, last month. Time is so weird this year. But (laughs) I would love to hear a little bit more about the role of poetry and creativity in ritual and spell work for you. And yeah, anything you want to share about your writing process, your creation process? Yeah, for sure. Um, So when it came to poetry, that was actually something that kept popping up when I was getting a lot of... um, readings done and so um, being part of spirit house and I was going to a lot of workshops and just like talking to different practitioners and writing was the one thing that kept coming up the most and just about my need to write and I like love notebooks I love journaling but I was like I don't really see where this could go anywhere and so I just kept getting the intuitive hint to just like write something write something and then someone actually told me to start off with poetry And I was like, okay, this could be a good base. This could be like a very like free writing, just kind of like a mental dump, but like make it cute. So (laughs) I started just kind of like posting on like the secret Instagram and just like putting my poetry out there, writing in my own journal and just creating a practice where I just was committing to writing poetry like as much as possible. And as I started writing poetry, um, I remember I had a session with... um, I think it was Taylor. And she was the one that was like, oh, if you joined your poetry practice with your ancestors, this this could be really powerful. And so I started sitting on my ancestor altar and then writing poetry. And I was like, oh, wow, they actually are communicating through me, through my poetry. So I started making it more of a ritual space and started really channeling what was like going through my ancestors, but like into poetry. And then that became more of a practice where 
I would just start getting these downloads and then just starting to just write and then be like, okay, wow, something that needed to come out. And so I started building that practice. And again, I kept getting like other people confirming like, yeah, you working in this creative space with your ancestors, especially like that's um, something that's needed, like that needs to come out some way. So it was last year I did my first poetry workshop and basically I just made that my, my practice, the workshop where I was helping people communicate with their ancestors and creating poetry. And that workshop was super powerful. I loved it. And it was just very, um, it was intense. Yeah. There was people that were like at the workshop that were just like, wow, like I don't think I've ever had that kind of reaction in terms of being in that space with their own ancestors. So everyone had such a powerful journey. So I was like, oh, wow, this is something that I could bring as a service or an offer in other people because I'm seeing that it is really transformative. Um, and so from there, I just kept continuing my own practice. And then I got into the Akashic Records. And so that basically just built on top of my practice with writing poetry, connecting to my ancestors and working in the records. And then it just kind of hit me and I was like, oh, well, spells are powerful and poetries are pretty much spells. So it's just like, oh, it's pretty much... I can make it the same thing. So I started using poetry as a tool for my own inner transformation and just kind of like writing poetry as a way to manifest things and writing poetry as a way to transform things, really just like doing shadow work. Because I realized there was a lot of, like sometimes I would just start free writing because I'm like, there's something that needs to be said. And I would look back on the page and I'm like, oh, wow, I did not know I was still processing all that pain. So to me, I started using poetry as a way to really see like, what am I still dealing with that's not being shown outwardly or not being shown in my consciousness? Um, and it was a really great tool and also helped me still build a connection with my ancestors. So for my last workshop, I wanted to create a space where I could help people tune into this and I could help people process things that they need to process to create poetry, but also create powerful spells for themselves. And also just to show people how easy it is. Like it's mm -hmm. not anything that you need to wait on or that you need to like talk to someone else for. I was like, I just want to make this easy, accessible and see that as long as you create the space, create the container, have the intention and just receive, anyone could create spell poetry. Um, Cause for me, it wasn't, it was only my own mental blockages that prevented me from creating this kind of like ritual. Once I like tune in and I was like, oh, I'm capable of creating beautiful poetry and beautiful spells, then boom, everything happened. So to me, it was just about like, once I knew I could do it, then I could do it. Um, and it's been great. I love the poetry I've created. And then even going back to like my ancestors with them, I've been doing this work since 2018. And I just found out a few months ago that my grandmother who had recently passed um, 2016, she was an avid poetry writer and she had done classes and certifications for poetry. And she had actually wrote so many poetry books and even wrote poetry about me and my sisters and my whole family. And I just received that book a few weeks ago. So it was all very aligned that like my ancestors are like write poetry and it kept coming up like ancestry poetry. And then to find out that my grandmother was an avid poetry, a poet herself. Like that was, yeah did not expect that. <laughs> wow. I, I literally have tears in my eyes as you're saying that. How wild, how beautiful. Wow. Yeah. I can't even crazy. imagine like what it must feel like to read those poems and look at that book. 
Yeah, it's wild. And it's like a big book. It's like thick. Like she wrote poetry wow. for days, and that's only one of the books she wrote. And it was something she loved doing and enjoyed so much. And she was a very quiet woman. So it makes sense that she used it as a tool to communicate how she really felt and just to see all the poems she wrote about me and my family. I'm just like, wow, this is so trippy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love poetry so much and what you're saying is resonating so much. Like when you shared about how poetry helps you realize as you're writing, like what's unprocessed, what you're still holding pain around. If I could sum up what this year has been for me, it would be that (laughs) writing really fucked up poems and realizing Mm. like, wow, I'm really holding a lot of pain still around this. And yeah, something about like letting it flow, pouring it out and creating this beautiful art from it Mm. feels so healing and exactly what you said it feels like shadow work and it feels really important um yeah I think writing poetry is not just writing it's like yeah it's helping us heal right exactly and like to me it took a while for me to even get to that point because when I kept being told that like oh you should write you should write you should write I'm just like I don't like for what though but (laughs) when I got into like making it a practice I was like wow this is a vibe. Like you really get to see your own inner transformation. Like the more and more you commit yourself to writing, the more and more you're releasing, you're processing, you're bringing things in the subconsciousness to the consciousness where it can actually heal. As long as things are in the subconsciousness, it just feels like it's stagnant still. But once I get to free it and put it on paper and get to see the beauty of my pain, it's like, wow, this could actually finally be released and I could finally move on and finally just, you know, enhance my own inner world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's exactly that. It's like some of the things that I touch in writing poetry is like, wow, I had no idea that that was in there. I had yeah. no idea that that needed to come out of me. And like, I'm so glad it has. And I think also that's an important point too, how you're like, what am I, like, what am I writing for? Like, why am I writing poetry? I think I definitely felt that way in the beginning too, of like poets are people who are other than me. Like poetry is this whole like special thing that only certain people can do. And like, I don't Mm. think that's true at all. Um, I think we can all write poetry if we want to. Right. That's the thing. It's all about that mental blockage getting out of it. And like, once you accept that, like, oh, I can do this and like, I could create something beautiful, even if it's just complete crap, it's like, it's beautiful crap at the end of the day. It's crap that came from you. It's still like your crap. So it's just like, appreciate what came out of you. And the more and more you tune into it, the more and more you could just, you know, refine it to make it whatever that, whatever you want, really. So yeah. I mean, I always say this, but I'm a huge fan of making bad art, making ugly shit, messy shit, like just like expressing and yeah, not needing it to be anything other than what it is. And like, that's the creative process for me is like just seeing what's there and it's totally okay if it is messy or ugly or whatever. Um the creating it is the healing part for me. Yeah, same. And I that took a long, long time for me to get to because I definitely was someone who had not a perfectionist streak, but like I just like only wanted to commit myself to things that I knew I was good at or things that like <laughs> I could get good at very easily. Anything yeah. that took more work at, I was just like, what is the point of this? this is going to take too long. It's going to be too frustrating. And I just didn't realize how much beauty there is in the journey of something. And so it took me a long time to realize that like the craft and building your own craft and building your own world, like that is something beautiful. And so the takeaway, the goals and the takeaway that like, oh, like the end 
game of everything mm. and just to be with where you're at and to be in this really messy imperfected imperfected place where you're just creating bad art like that to me is like a beautiful place to be and yeah I definitely did the same thing of like just trying to like stick to things that I know I'm bad at and just like realize it's okay to like suck at this like it's perfectly fine to not be okay at this and just to keep committing yourself to it like yeah yeah that's such a humbling practice too. I think there's something there about like, for me anyways, it can feel so vulnerable to not be good at something. And I've seen this in myself, especially throughout my pole dance journey. Like it was, it feels still so vulnerable to not be immediately good at it and Mm -hmm. to not be strong enough to do certain things and to struggle a lot. Um, And I'm like, why am I not, why am I not perfect at this already? And it's like, of course I'm not. And that doesn't mean it's not worth doing or exploring. And like, that is probably part of what I need. Right. Yeah. That humbling journey is something that it gives you such character and it builds such character. And that's something I'm also learning too, because I've just been randomly picking up hobbies. And so I just started learning the bass guitar and it's, it's, it's really fun. And I like it. I like it way more than I thought I would. And just, sucking at it and just playing horribly and just hearing just like the vibration of the strings and I play it wrong but the fact that like it's like it's okay to suck at it it's okay to like not like play a whole song after two weeks of playing the same song like it's completely fine and just accepting that has been such a practice for me and that's the thing like everything can be a spiritual teacher everything could be a lesson for you to grow your own spiritual practice And I've been learning about like, I love my meditation practice, but what else can I do in my own everyday life that can make me more wiser, more whole, more, you know, connected to my own inner self and to my own, to my own higher self. And I think like picking up hobbies and cultivating that practice is something that's really helped me grow in a lot because it's made me accept where I am and know that like, if I just commit myself and I'm just there and I'm just okay with where I'm at, then there's only growth ahead of me. And so just to look forward to that growth and to look forward to that expansion. Yeah, I think that's so true. Like that's living the spiritual practice and not just letting spirituality be something you do when you meditate or whatever. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, and you mentioned the Akashic Records as well. So I'm like, would love to talk about it. Um, I think the last Akashic Records reading I had was at the Seeker Retreat where we met with Taylor. So it's been quite a while. But yeah, I would love if you wanted to share a little about the records and yeah, how working with them has helped you grow and heal. Yeah, of course. Um, So I first discovered the records a few years ago when I was living in New York City. And I remember like learning about it, such like this secret practice. Like it was just such like this thing that was so like barely anyone heard about it. It was just so (laughs) under wraps. And so I had found this practitioner um, at Minka in Brooklyn. And after the reading, I had never felt such energy like that. I was like, wow, this reading blew my mind. And Right when the reading started, actually, um, during the practice, like during the prayer that she was stating, because she uses Linda's house prayer, she had told me, she was like, you're going to be like, you know, in the records. Like, this is also like your journey, too. And it was funny because I was like, this is my first reading ever. So I was like, this, like, what? (laughs) And so, and then after she said that, she also said, oh, and then whatever work you do is going to be connected to ancestors. 
And at that point, I wasn't even like working with my ancestors like that. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll make note of that. And so from then on, I didn't really, I tried to open Akashic Records on my own. And then I just never felt super, super connected to it. So it was something where I'm like, okay, so there is a timeline, there is a path of me to work with this. But like right now, after that, I just didn't feel mm, like that complete spark. So then I was working, I moved to LA and I was working with Spirit House in Asia. And she had also mentioned the records too. So it's like, okay, maybe this is like the right time for it. But then things kept getting like, um, you know, I wanted to get certified basically because I wanted to have someone really help me hold my own practice because going to records on my own, I just didn't feel that big connection. So finally, Helen, she was doing a certification course and I was like, okay, boom, this is it. This is like what I need to kind of like learn about this practice. And that weekend getting certified was, it was so much healing. It was just like, I was like, I'm going to definitely cry this weekend. I cried like a baby. (laughs) (laughs) It was so much releasing and it was just so much just like medicine that was happening. And it was just like the messages I was receiving were just really aligned with where I needed to be going. And again, my ancestors came through and like they were talking to me and it was just very much like, okay, like I'm in the right place at the right time. Um, And just also having that, um, certification course being done at Spirit House. The Spirit House itself is just so magical. So like just mm-hmm. the energy there was just on fire. Um, and then once I'd done that, my connection to the Records was super strong. It was very much like I felt completely a different experience than like when I first entered by myself. So from that point on, I was just, you know, giving readings to people and just like doing the, um, just seeing how I matched with other people. And so when I was doing my 30 days of free readings, you know, it was a different energy exchange than when I was doing tarot. It definitely felt way more expansive, not more expansive, but it just felt different. It just felt like there was such a bigger energy shift that was happening than when I would just read tarot for people. So I was like, okay, wow, this is intense. And when I started getting to the records, I just started feeling a lot more comfortable in the energy and just like not having to rely on the, like, because again, tarot is a very analytical tool in a way where you have to study the symbols and like you use your intuition and you kind of feed off that like feminine masculine energy. Where in the records, it was just me tuning in and just having that conversation with my master's teacher and the loved ones. So it was, it's a completely different practice. And I just kept getting more and more um, into the records, just kind of felt really comfortable. I was like, okay, wow, this, it felt, it made a lot of sense to me, like every time I was in the records. And then um, as I started getting to my own ancestral practices, and um, so I'm also an Abarisha and my ancestral practice is really a foundation of my spiritual work. I noticed the more and more I did on um, the records for the people, the more ancestors started to show up. And so I would just be reading people and I'm like, okay, yeah, your ancestors are here and these, these are messages and things of that nature. And so then I just kept thinking back to that first reading I got a few years ago where she was like, oh, like you're going to be in the records and you're going to be doing like ancestral work. And I'm like, wow, this is so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so then um, it, it just came to a point where I remember I was doing um, an interview with somebody else and then the person asked me, she was like, are you going to like do a combination of like the Akash records and ancestor reading? And I'm like you know, maybe, I don't know about that. Then we'll see. And she's okay. Well, I feel like it's going to happen. I'll say, okay, cool. Thank you. And then for the modern, which is Confluence, I was like, you know, let me just see if this works. Um, And so I did an ancestral Akashic record reading and 
when I was doing it, I had sold out all the readings for that weekend and it was powerful. I was like, okay, wow, this is actually um, an offering that I just created and it worked perfectly. And I was able to tune into the vibration of ancestral medicine and, you know, be of service to people in this way. And yeah, it was amazing. Like, it was just like, okay, this fits, like this makes sense. Like it's something where something just clicks and I was like, okay, like this is a vibe. So now basically I'm just in the process of just recalibrating my offerings to be more in service to this very specific niche because the Akasha workers are amazing. And there's so many practitioners now, but I know that like what I can do is offer a specific service, service that isn't aligned with where I know I need to be and also with people who are trying to build that connection with their ancestors. And so mm. that's something that I definitely am keen on offering because ancestor work is amazing and being in Akashic Records is amazing. So just combining that together to get healing to people who are looking for both those medicines, I think would be something that I can offer, which I'm excited to. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Um, I would love to hear a little more if you want to share about your relationship to your ancestors and maybe how you cultivate that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I'm like, because there's a lot of people who, um, I, I don't want to say a lot of people, but I do talk to people who kind of get a little put off by ancestral work because they don't have a close relationship with their family or like they had trauma that went on in their family. So they don't really feel like opening up that portal. And I just want to confirm that like, it's completely fine to feel that way because most people that do ancestral work have those same issues. Like for me, I didn't know anyone past my grandparents and I didn't have a super close relationship with my grandparents either. And so I just was like, why am I being called to do ancestral work when like, this is like not a big part. Like it wasn't like something that I was keen on really doing. Like when I got into my spirituality, I was more of like, I want to learn about star seeds and the galaxy. And I want to learn about channels. (laughs) That was very much like where I wanted to go. Like, let me learn about the Pleiades star system. But I just kept getting pushed to like ancestors, ancestors, ancestors. And I was like, this is so interesting. Like, Why? Um, and so when I was in New York, I remember having an ancestor altar, but again, I just didn't feel connected to it. I was like, I don't know. I don't really see like why I should be doing this. I didn't feel that connection. And I remember one time I took down my ancestor altar and I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to like, not, I'm just going to like restart this. I didn't really feel like I should like be creating a practice like this. Cause I just didn't feel connected. I wasn't like keeping up with my altar. And then a few weeks later, I just ordered Jamaican food. I had these plantains. And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to give this to my ancestors. So I just kind of like left it on my table. And I was like, hey, guys, if you want this, it's yours. Here you go. It was no ritual or anything. I just like gave it to my ancestors. And I went on the train. And on the train, there was a man that came through with a huge um, like djembe drum, a Congo drum. And he basically started giving a lesson to everyone about, you know, African traditional religion and started singing these like Santeria songs. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like he, he was like right in front of me, like singing these songs. And I was just like, this can't, this, this can't be just a coincidence. And then the next day I saw the same man again with the same drum. And I'm like, to be in New York city on this train with 8 million people and to see the same guy twice. So like, this, this can't be real. And he actually remembered me. We actually had a really cool conversation. So I was like, okay, 
this this is a sign. But I still didn't really take it seriously. And then I moved to LA. And again, ancestors kept coming through in all of my readings. And not only just working with my ancestors, but getting ingrained in like a very African practice. And I'm just like, I was just like, what's why? Because to me, I was very disconnected from you know, overall black culture growing up. Like I grew up in like white suburbia. So I was just like, for me of all people to come into this very African-based tradition, I was just like, this feels so awkward. Like I had such an identity crisis growing up with my blackness. So then like to finally get to a good foundation with that and like heal all of that stuff to be thrown into another kind of like identity crisis coming into like an African traditional religion. I was just kind of like, this seems like a lot, but it kept being pushed and pushed and pushed, not pushed, but like, it just, the messages were so, so strong. And honestly, it was actually at the secret retreat where all of that got confirmed. Um, mm. I kept getting messages about, you know, doing ancestral work and really like honing in on like African traditional religions. And I remember we like drove up to Oakland and me and my friend, we basically were like, before we got into the house, we were like, Caleb, let's just walk on this um, Piedmont Avenue, I think. And there's a bookstore and we went into the bookstore and I pointed out a book to my friend and right next to the book was a book called Ifa. And Ifa is the name of the African traditional religion that like I was thinking about joining. And I was like, this can't, that can't just be Ifa. Like they're talking about the religion. So I asked the book owner to like pull the book down and it was like saran wrapped. And I was like, you know what this book is about? And he was like, I've never seen this book in my life. And I was like, okay, can you open it though? He was like, I'm gonna have to call the owner to see if I can. So I was like, cool. So we walked out the bookstore, walked around. We're about to go back to the car. And I was like, let me just go into this bookstore real quick just to see. So I was like, did you call the owner? And he was like, oh, yeah, I can open it for you. He opens the book. And it's this complete book all about Ifa and the Yoruban traditional religion and all about the Orishas and the Odus. Like, it was so in-depth and so beautiful. And all of this poetry were in there as well. And I was just like, what? how did I just see this book? So I was like, okay, I have to get it. Bought it. And then the very next day or two days later, I had a reading with Mary. And Mary was like, your ancestors are just like you. <laughs> I'm like, Mary will get you. <laughs> yeah. And so when the reading came with Mary, she was just kind of like, yeah, your ancestors, you have to like get serious about this tradition. Like, it's just like, that's really what they're calling for. And so all of this, like my ancestors communicating with me was all about bringing me into a path that was very dear to them and for me to kind of be that portal to open the way for my family to come into this practice again. Um, yeah, because after reading with Mary, about a month later, I found my godfather and mm -hmm. I've been working with him ever since. And so then a few months after that, I got um, initiated to be on Barisha. And yeah, so um, it's been a journey. And I still work with my ancestors. I talk to them every week. I give them offerings. And so they've definitely been such a big part of my spiritual practice, especially lately um, or last year. 2019 was definitely the year where I was just kind of like, who are we in this together? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely been a trip. Wow. It sounds like it. I mean, all those synchronicities. And yeah, that just sounds really powerful. And I love what you shared too about just like, 
offering that plate of Jamaican food to them before you even really like were connecting with them or really knew what you were doing. And that's something I've been connecting with recently is like these little ways of connecting with my ancestors, like giving them food or even I started doing embroidery, which I used to do like cross stitch and stuff and sewing with my grandma when I was a kid. So it's like, it feels like connecting with her and like eating some of the foods like tomatoes that my granddad used to grow in the garden, which is like the little things, but like weaving them into my life. And yeah, that feels like honoring and connecting with them too. So yeah, I really appreciate you sharing all of that. No, I love it because all of this really influenced me. Like once I started doing ancestral work, it just inspired me to get more into learning about practices that I could like put Mm -hmm. into my life that I can honor them with. So I started like doing African dancing again. Um, So I was doing a lot of um, dances. Um, I forgot the name of the dance book. Um, Senegal, Ivory Coast, Mali, and Congo are the three countries that I've been learning a lot of like um, dance moves from. Started practicing the djembe drum. And like being a part of that, it just, it's so fun and it's so freeing and so liberating. And it's also just a way for me to honor my ancestors as well. And just to have a place where I could connect with them too. And so I feel really inspired and I feel very much connected to my ancestors when I like do things that are very much connected to their culture as well. Yeah. Um, now I feel inspired to try and research some of the dances of my European ancestors' cultures. That sounds like a really incredible way to honor them and also to have fun. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, definitely. Especially like my whole journey has really been about ancestral work, you know, grounding my spirituality and also just like living in my best, living my best creative life. So whatever I can do that's like super creative and super fun and I can bring my ancestors into it. I just feel like it's all around helping me grow and become a more aligned person. Mm, that's everything. That's it. Yep. <laughs> right. Um, well, we're coming up to the end. So I want to ask you the last question I always ask on this show, which is what does living open mean to you? Living open means to me, I wish I would have prepared for this. (laughs) (laughs) The news coming. (laughs) Okay, wrong spot. Um, Living open to me means um, just living in your highest destiny. I think like it just means really being in flow and flowing into your destiny with ease and to just be in a place where you're able to receive this energy and you're just flowing into it. Um, I've definitely been just like learning how to not control every situation and just to ease into life with flow and with just, and knowing that you're in the right place at the right time always. And so living open, just living in the place where you're free from any mental constraints or anything that's holding you back and you're able to just flow with ease into your life and just know that like everything's going to work out in your highest favor as long as you just let go and just flow. Mm. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't prepare before. <laughs> I want to hear what's flowing right now. <laughs> Which I just have to add one thing from what you Mm -hmm. said. It made me think of it. I took um, Sonia Estelle, I'm pretty sure you know, because she's like with Spirit House too. Um, I took a class that she was teaching this weekend about like multidimensionality and just like, yeah, wild spiritual concepts and like time and all that. And one of the things that she said, which when you said destiny reminded me of it, was something like destiny is just free will from a higher perspective. 
as in like what we like chose to come and do and like what we're feeling guided towards is like destiny but still like we chose it from like this level and when she said that I was just like whoa that's so powerful yeah 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 that blew my mind so I feel like I had to share that with with you and everyone listening (laughs) no oh my god I'm gonna totally tell this because I like so many conversations I have where people are just like well, how can like free will exist if there's destiny? And I'm like, both exist at the same time, guys. But this yeah. is the perfect way to sum that up. Oh <laughs> That's <God>. so good. <laughs> yeah, um, very grateful for that class. It was amazing. Um, but can you tell everyone where they can find you and work with you and maybe anything you have coming up? Yeah, of course. So uh, my website is seeingwithlee.com. And you can also find my Instagram at seeingwithlee.com. Um, I'm going to go through a whole rebrand with everything. So be on the lookout in a couple of weeks for that. So I'm going to like have offerings recalibrated to um, just, you know, be more in tune with what I want to give. I'm also going to have products coming out soon. So they're going to be these magical products I'm still working on. So be on the lookout for that as well. And yeah, 2021 is going to be a really dope year for um the offerings that I want to give out. And so I'm really excited for what I'm going to be bringing out into the new year, especially because whew, do we all need it after this hell of a year? So, uh, yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rebrand sounds super exciting. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited to really put a lot of energy and a lot of um, like a lot of just magic into my brand finally, and just kind of like really make it into like into the dream that I want to see. So yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your magic with us. I really appreciate it. It was fun. (laughs) Having me. I'm so excited to be part of this podcast and I love this Mm. podcast so much. You can connect with Lee on Instagram at seeingwithlee and at seeingwithlee.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description. And I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.